and welcome to the Rior Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed, restructuring and post-reorg in the European and CMEA markets. It's Tuesday, January the 10th. I'm Caterina Dassier. Coming up this week, head of EMEA Credit Giulia Rusconi will join us to take us through the latest developments on French Care Home Operator Europea, which is currently under its second conciliation procedure, and the Spanish pizza franchise Telepizza, which we know has appointed financial advisors. Reporter Andrew Ross will then be discussing UK value for Taylor Matalan's ongoing sale process, as it looks increasingly likely that the senior secure bondholders will take the business. Finally, credit analyst Sendak Su will join us to discuss UK and Germany-focused real estate group Vivian following the publication of a report by short seller Moody Waters alleging the group inflated the values of its real estate portfolios. We would like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience. So please take a moment to complete the short survey at the link attached to this podcast and let us know how we're doing. Hi, Julia. So you have been following both the French care home operator Orpea, which is currently under its second conciliation procedure, and the Spanish pizza franchise Food Delivery Brands, also known as Telepizza, which we know has appointed financial advisors. Could you give us an update on what's going on? There was a lot of news just before Christmas. Hi, Kat. Yes, for sure. So maybe I'll start with Orpea, as there was some interesting news, as they said. So I remind our listeners that the group is under its second conciliation procedure, has proposed a restructuring to equitize about 3.8 billion of the unsecured debt held by Orpea SA. It's also seeking to raise between 1.3 and 1.5 billion euro of equity, raise another 600 million secured debt, amend and extend the financing it raised during the first conciliation in June last year, and amend also some of the covenants on the existing unsecured uh, bank loans and, um, and promissory notes. This is not the news. The news is that on December 21st, the new management announced a write-off of more than 5 billion of the book value of the group assets as part of an in-depth uh, bottom-up review of the, of the group facilities and assets. And uh, the, the, the write-off uh, pertain to a large number of assets, including real estate, intangibles, uh, and some financial receivables and others. The news came only two months after the, the management warned creditors that it may impair its assets, uh, the company's assets, by up to 2.5 billion, uh, a figure the management has essentially now doubled. The impairments will have a negative impact on uh, equity of about 600 million, but it will not have any impact on cash. What's interesting, though, is that the total value of its real estate assets is now expected at about $6 billion at year-end 2022, which is almost 30% below the value of real estate assets at year-end 2021. And what does this mean for the company's restructuring plan? Well, this is not really good news for a company who is trying to attract new money and who also expects to uh, monetize real estate assets. Uh, Orpea said that it's seeking buying offers for the new loan in February and offers for the equity raise this month. 
And just yesterday, the French press reported that the state-backed CDC is ready to acquire controlling stake in, in, uh, in Europea and would be willing to provide at least half of the 1.5 billion uh, the company is looking to raise. Um, this is a, a, an increase uh, from an intention to invest up to 30% in the group that the, uh, the state-backed financial institutions revealed uh, in the French press just last, uh, last November. And this would give the fund the control over the, the company's governance and might be the only option for the group at this point to, to achieve the capital raise. Right, now moving on to Telepizza. The Spanish press reported that the group has appointed consultants to work on a business plan. And in November, Telepizza itself said it was working with financial and legal advisors on its debt, workout neg- negotiations and on options to raise liquidity. Your team has published a cash flow analysis on the, on the Friday, just before Christmas. What's in there? Yes, essentially we estimate that Telepizza may run, uh, run out of cash in the third quarter of this year, in 2023, and its cash balance will actually fall below the minimum operating balance uh, uh, already in the first quarter of 2023. In essence, uh, uh, we think that raising new money is the key priority for the group uh, and we expect the parties to try to stabilize the business first and then resume the restructuring discussions after that. And given the immediate need to plug this liquidity gap, um, the inequity injection appears the most likely options. uh, But it seems that the sponsor KKR is unwilling to inject new money into the business if bondholders do not agree to take a haircut as well. And there are rumors that the haircut should be around uh, 70%. Uh, We agree that a debt-to-equity swap is the most appropriate solution to address the capital structure because providing just new money will just kick the can down the road as the group is over-levered and needs to reduce the interest burden. It also needs to, we think, clean the capital structure to be able to tap the markets in the future, um, considering also the notes are due in 2026. Uh, we estimate that the equitization of 70% of the notes, uh, which have a principle of $335 million, uh, would save the group about $15 million cash a year. Um, and cash available for debt service after interest so will almost break even in 2024 and then turn positive in 2025. So this means that a debt restructuring loan, a debt to equity swap alone, is not enough to restore cash generation next year. And we think the group would also need to, to reduce CapEx. And what does CapEx relate to? And does the group have the flexibility to cut it? Yes and no. And just to give you some background, in May 2018, Telepizza and Yum sealed a strategic agreement by which Telepizza became the largest master franchisee of Pizza Hut in the world, as well as one of the, the most important suppliers. In exchange, Telepizza undertook to develop the brand in the Iberian Peninsula and Latin America. And the agreement had some very ambitious goals, such as opening uh, 1,300 uh, stores in 10 years, which required a lot of capex. And we have been following Telepizza since 2020, and liquidity has always been an issue. Um, to be honest, they have been quite unlucky, as, the, as first uh, the pandemic made the expansion plan impossible and forced Telepizza to rene- renegotiate the terms of the deal. Then inflation and the weak economic environment hit the group again and its franchisees. 
and this slow down the appetite for new, new openings. Uh, so Tele Pizza find itself in a very difficult situation where its franchisees are suffering. So the group is not passing down all the cost increase to them. So this results in Telepizza profitability going down alongside its uh, operating cash flow. But at the same time, it needs to pursue this ex expensive CapEx plan. So the, the, object, the objectives of the, the franchise agreements needs to be reshaped to, to allow the business to, to recover and to not run out of cash. Andrew, you have been reporting on the ongoing sale process of Matalan for, for some time. And last week we published a report detailing how it's looking increasingly likely that the senior secured bondholders will take the UK-based value retailer over. Can you take us through some of the most recent developments? Sure. So yeah, we've been writing all about Madeline's M&A process since it was launched at the end of September last year, when Madeline's ad hoc group of first lien secured note holders were hoping for a target price of at least £410 million to cover the group's £350, uh, £350 million senior secured notes and £60 million super senior RCF, which was provided by Bantry Bay. A number of parties took interest, resulting in bids from Madeline founder John Hargreaves, who teamed up with Elliott Advisors, and turnaround firms Altieri and Opcapita submitting bids as well. A group holding the majority of Madeline's second lien loans um, submitted a £500 million bid in the first round of the sale also. However, uh, that ad hoc group of second lien creditors have now withdrawn from the sale process and it seems the other bids for the company have fallen short of the threshold the senior secured bondholders had targeted. The lack of suitable bids suggests that senior secured bondholders are having to now resort to their fallback option of taking full control of the group by part equitizing their debt and extending the rest to hold on to the company until market conditions for a successful sale improve. And uh Andrew, what do we know about why this happened? Well, we understand that the ad hoc group of second lien creditors decided to withdraw from the second round of the M&A process after the retailer's December trading update to bidders was deemed dissatisfactory. As for the senior bondholders who look set to take the business over, have they made an offer? Yes, the group of senior secure bondholders represented by Invesco, MAN GLG, Napier Park and Tresidor which hold more than 70% of the first lien secured notes, is now proposing to fund Madeline's short-term business needs by providing £100 million of new money. The bondholders were also in talks with the company's interim CEO, Nigel Oddy, to possibly make his role permanent if they do gain control of the business. And what does that mean for bondholders? Given the likely new money provision, the second lien note holders will likely be wiped out and the first lien holders will take a significant haircut. Thank you, Andrew. Last month, Muddy Waters published a report disclosing its short position and allegations on Vivian. Its bonds dropped by over 10 points after this. Shenda, could you walk us through the business of Vivian and also the concerns on Vivian that Muddy Waters provides to the market? Hi, Katerina. Yeah, sure. Vivian is, uh, is a real estate company holding property portfolios in the UK and Germany. The properties are mainly hotels and offices. It holds 100% share of the UK portfolio and 52% stake in the German portfolio. 
Vivian was incorporated in 2018 with the shareholder contributing cash and also real estate assets to the companies in exchange for common equities and shareholder loans. In the Muddy Waters report, one of the key allegations is that the shareholder loans of over 700 million euro as of the end of 2018 seem to never be funded. As it claims that there are figures mismatches between accounts of Vivian's holding entities, Muddy Waters also estimates that Vivian has repaid at least at least 360 million euro of the shareholder loans since inception, pocketing outside lenders' money. In response, Vivian provides details of the sources of shareholder loans, including one from founding shareholders' family office, which Muddy Waters omitted. Vivian also said the shareholders' capital injection amounted to 21 million euro since the beginning of 2019, instead of taking money out as claimed by Muddy Waters. So it seems Vivian addresses the concerns over the sources of shareholders' loans and its evolution. Muddy Waters' report also mentions the doubtfully high occupancy rate for Vivian's German real estate portfolio, right? Yeah, Muddy Waters also claims that、uh, the occupancy level of German properties is estimated at below seventy percent instead of ninety percent, as reported by Vivian. The short seller also mentions that、um, the definition of Vivian's occupancy rate includes not just the signed lease but also pro forma for the future lease agreement. Vivian responded that Muddy Waters' assessment of the occupancy level using advertisements and investigators in Berlin is flawed. We note that other real estate peers do not directly state that if their calculations allow for such pro forma effect or not. Sources told us that actually Vivian provides more details on the calculation of occupancy rate, while other peers give、uh, a wide definition. So, except for the occupancy rate, what other allegations does Muddy Waters have on its report? Muddy Waters also claims that Vivian inflates the value of its real estate portfolio with net fair value gains of 958 million euro, of which 166 million euro for its UK portfolio and 793 million euro for German portfolio. We also worked on、uh, a covenant analysis. Which includes a discussion of the impact of Muddy Waters' allegations about the inflated asset as regards Vivian's senior unsecured notes covenant. So, if the amount of the total asset is reduced by 958 million euro of fair value gains alleged by Muddy Waters, Vivian would still be in compliance with its maintenance-based 1.5 times unencumbered asset ratio and 1.8 times interest coverage ratio tests. And would be able to incur an additional 1.4 billion euro of total debt, which could be secured. Okay, got it. So there are also some value leakage concerns over the subsidiary Golden Capital Partners, which Vivian holds about 52% share. Could you give us some color on this issue? Sure. A group of minority shareholders that owns about 48% of the German Opco Golden. Also provides shareholder loans of、uh, 544 million euro. Whether such loans are subordinated to Vivian's senior unsecured note is debatable. According to the offering memorandum of the senior unsecured note, Golden's minority shareholder loans are described to be subordinated to the liabilities of Golden only. 
not the whole group. However, according to Vivian's response to Muddy Waters' report, the shoulder loans are subordinated to all other Vivian debt to other third parties. What's more, out of the 722 million euro in total of cash, we estimate that over 600 million euro of cash is at golden level. To upstream such cash to Vivian through dividend, normally the golden needs to make pro rata payment to the minority shareholder as well. We note that to upstream cash, Golden can also repay the 584 million euro shareholder loans from Vivian without having to pro rata prepay the minority shareholder loans. Reorg's 2022 restructuring wrap is out now. Restructuring data is only available through Credit Cloud. If you'd like to access the Credit Cloud, please email sales at reorg.com. Tune in to another episode of Reorg Webinars to learn more about what lies ahead in 2023 in Asian restructuring and where are the opportunities for investors. We will be hosting the webinar tomorrow at 8 a.m. London time. More information on all the situation and events discussed in this podcast are available on our website, reorg.com. We hope you can join us next Tuesday for another Reorg Euro podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening.